0: For the latest in Australian and world rally news, join me, Luke Witten, from Rally Sport Magazine on the Special Stage Rally Podcast every week. It's news, insight and analysis with big names in the sport joining us regularly to talk rallying of all sorts. Catch the Special Stage Rally Podcast now, available via the Motorsport Podcast Network on all your regular podcast apps. A
1: Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, welcome along. Great to have you with me. I'm Aaron Noonan. This, for another week, is the V8 Slew podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care, available at Repco in Australia and New Zealand, as well as a range of other auto stores. Now, one of the things I love most about doing this podcast is it gives me the chance to catch up with people that I haven't seen or perhaps spoken to for quite some time, it's just that you get to eavesdrop on the conversation as well. I guess it's a win-win for all parties, isn't it? One of those guys is my guest this week on the podcast, and indeed, next week as well, because we had such a great chat, we've put it into two parts. And the guy I'm talking about is Scott Sinclair. Now, earlier this year, I caught up with James Courtney, of course, the 2010 Supercast Champion on the pod. And one of the things we clearly discussed was that amazing championship year with Dick Johnson Racing some of our listeners commented in the aftermath of that chat that they asked what's happened to Scotty. Now that was the perfect prompt for me to ask him to come on the podcast and he was only too happy to visit V8 Sleuth headquarters to do so. Scotty's out of motorsport now but his insights in this pod are really great. We deep dive that time at Dick Johnson Racing, that amazing time period where factions formed, but the team still got the job done and won the championship. He takes us so deep into the inner sanctum with stories and insights that you haven't heard before. We've split this into two parts. There's just so much to talk about. Of course, after his time with DJR, he went with James Courtney to the Holden Racing team at Walkinshaw Racing and then on to Nissan Motorsport with the Kelly boys, Rick and Todd. So let's barrel into it. Enjoy this one. It's part one. Of Scott Sinclair on the V8 Sleuth podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car
2: care. Scott Sinclair, hello. It's been a little while. Welcome along to V8 Sleuth headquarters. It has been. Great to be here, Nunes. I uh, appreciate the, uh, the call-out to coming out chat. Looking forward to it.
1: Well, this call-out kind of came from a little chat that I had with a former driver of yours a little while ago, James Courtney. You might have heard of him. <laughs> um, we got a lot of questions in the aftermath of the JC pod scott sinclair doing where is he what's he doing what's going on and we thought well you know what you ask questions we get answers so here you are in the flesh right in front of me so let's not go to the start of the scott sinclair motorsport story let's go to the now we haven't seen you around the paddock for a while you've you're out of the sport
2: you're doing other stuff what are you doing since you you left kelly racing and the supercars commission yeah so i um yeah i finished with kelly's at um end of 19 i think um and then uh Got a seat on the commission, which was which was great, and uh, and then COVID hit, obviously, um, and there's uh, yeah that was a big um, upheaval for the sport, and in in retrospect, I'm really glad I got out and, and mm. avoided that. Good timing, um, yeah. So yeah, I took a year off, um, decompressed a bit, and uh, and then a mate of mine from from Brisbane rang me up one day and said, "What are you up to?" And that was about the time. But I was sort of thinking about getting back into work and, uh, yeah, working with him now and a, and a great group of um, guys and girls at a, at a um, healthcare company.
1: All right. So is anything motor racing related to
2: this at all? Is there anything that transfers across? No. Uh, well, from an engineering point of view, it's fantastic. Um, so uh, the things I learned as an engineer, uh, not so much the technical stuff but the sort of the – just understanding problems and, and dealing with problems, and, and um, you know, all that kind of stuff is transferable across any business. Um, so that's been really, really handy. Um, but no, I'm not doing anything technical. I'm not doing. I'm not dealing with irate drivers <laughs> or um, you know angry mechanics or anything like that. So no, um, no, no much in a race Inch- control or getting hauled up <laughs> anyway. Oh. No, I haven't seen Craig dead for a few years, so that's it's maybe, probably good. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a good thing.
1: So you're. Your motorsport story is kind of, it's about a 15-year time frame and what we generally see in the sport and and you've worked with so many of these sorts of people, they're lifers. Like This is what they do, whether they like it or lump it or moan and groan along the way, the stuff that annoys them, they're in and they're in for a long time. But you kind of came from essentially in a way nowhere and we'll go into a bit of that soon. But have you had time to stop and look back at that period of time, all the stuff that you did? It's very rare that someone's your age and is now out of the game, out, out, not, you know, winding down, still doing some engineering on a GT car or filling in there or helping out or doing a little associated project. You are out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm a 100% fan now. Um, it's not, um, yeah, I went I went cold turkey. Um, and, and we used to joke all the time, people who would leave, uh, you know, the, the common joke is you'll be back. And for the most part they were um yeah look I I, um, I it it really wore me down in the end and I I needed some time out um, and then I I soon realized that uh, it had probably made me into a person that uh, you know I I didn't really want to be um, so I needed to to decompress uh, and the intensity of it um, wore me down and then yeah look it's it's not something, you know, you never say never, but it's, it's probably not something I won't do again um, because I've spent probably the best part of my time since I got out, you know, really trying to, um, you know, uh, de-intensify, if that's a word, uh, yeah, and just sort of get back to a, you know, a bit slower pace. What are, the,
1: what are the elements that wear you down? Is it just a bit of everything? It's the travel, it's being away from family, it's the politics – it's the hours because let's face it, they're not, not. It's not a nine to five gig, no matter what your role is in mm. in motorsport. Is it a little bit of everything, or was there one certain element of it that was the big driving force to go? Yeah, I'm
2: done. Yeah, look, I think you, I think you you've summed it up pretty good. It was a combination of things, but the big thing that, that comes to mind when you ask that question is just the the deadlines, the the non uh, you know negotiable deadlines. You know, the car has to be on the grid. You know, at that you know. 205 or whatever there's there's no way around that and there's no wiggle room and, and that's great because it gives you a deadline um you know to work to but you know those deadlines were were you know, inherent in the whole business and you know it, it, the car the, the trucks had uh, the, the trucks had come back the cars had come out of the truck it'll be like okay well all the panels need to be in the paint shop by today because if they're not in there they can't get painted they can't get back to the cars and just everything was on a really strict timeline so um, you know there was a lot of structure there and that was that was good especially for me but uh, that is the thing that probably wore me down just the con- the relentlessness of the uh, you know of the of the circus really did you get out of it completely fried yeah 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 it, it's um in that last year um you know i was yeah I, I would say i was uh mildly depressed it had worn me down um uh, and that's taken me a while to work through um but it's been a really good learning for me personally but also you know i was able to which we might touch on later but i was able to share some of that with all the uh teams and all the people in the industry th- went in my role on the commission um which was really um fulfilling so yeah it, it did um yeah it, it it broke me. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of like a um and, and and I've got to say, I mean, our listeners who love motorsport, who listen to the pod, generally, and I know a lot of people in the industry do listen, but people um, generally listening to this and following what we do and watching the racing on TV or going to the track, motor racing, supercars, whatever the category is, is a hobby. It's an interest. It's a it's a you're a fan like you are now. Yeah. But it's very different when you're in it. And and people would say, what have you got to complain about? I mean, you're travelling around the country, you're in racing, you're in a race team, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're working with these people who have, you know, got various high profiles and, and things like that. But everything, uh, the only way I can sort of describe it, and it's probably not the right analogy, but having ice cream for lunch every day sounds like an awesome idea <laughs> and you would never get sick of it, but eventually you're going to get sick of it. And then it's going to start to really go the other way from being great to uh, not so good, to
2: not good. Yeah, yeah. And look, and that's something. And my journey was really successful in the early part of my career, and then from beyond that, it was there was very little success. So you have those memories of the of the success at the start, and um, you know, and and wanting to get back there, and you're doing all, all you can to get back there, but when it just doesn't work out for a whole range of reasons, and I, I put a lot of pressure on myself and. You know, and took a lot of responsibility on myself to to, um, you know, for those performances. So that that's what w- wore me down. Look, don't get me wrong. This, this, I, I owe the sport so much. Um, it was it's it's a it was a brilliant journey um, from when I was you know just a you know walked in the door at, at DJR to as a twenty whatever, 23-year-old to when I left, you know, it, it was an amazing um, experience and I was so lucky to do what I did. But, yeah, it, for me, it, it just got to the point where I was, you know, looking for something else. There's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot
1: to talk about here. But there is a big question. Actually, no, before we go back to the where did you fall in love with cars and engineering and the sport, there's two big questions I've got here. These might be the biggest questions <laughs> of the whole podcast Scotty. Is it true that when you left school, you did DJ work known as DJ
2: Extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Guilty. Guilty? Guilty, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. correct. Yeah, Please was, um, explain. Please it's, explain. It just so we're clear, it's Extreme with an X, not an A. Oh, sorry. X-T-R-E. Um, yeah, yeah. Right, it's okay. actually Alicia Kelly, um, Rick's wife, um, thought it would be funny and got me a shirt. I think one year we had um, Jack Daniels shirts with our names on the back. And she got it, and she got it, mate. DJ Extreme with an E, and I, I was like, "I'm not wearing that. I'm not wearing that." You change it to an X otherwise like, I'm not wearing it. So, it's, so, when was this? Is this like, yeah, through 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 uni? We, uh, me and two, two mates of mine, and uh, yeah, we met, we we're making good coin out of that. We uh, we'd hire Why'd the, you stop? hire the equipment. Oh, good question. We'd hire the equipment. We were doing, um, you know, lawn bowls presentation nights, fiftieth oh. birthdays, oh. like twenty first birthdays, and. Yeah, we were uh, we were in demand on the on the local scene in Perth. So what year are we talking here? Well, that was we started in 2000 and yeah, we probably went through till uh, I moved to to Queensland. So, yeah, it was 3 or 4 or 5 years. So if there's any listeners out here who had a function in Perth around yeah. that time
1: <laughs> and may or may not have had DJ Extreme, we want to hear from you. <laughs> we want to hear from you. So that's the big number 1 topic. Yeah. The number 2 topic is why do you barrack for Frio and not for West Coast?
2: Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's controversial as well. So I grew up in Sydney and um, AFL in the, in the mid-'80s, uh, you know, late-'80s, uh, was, was non-existent. Didn't know anything about it. Mm. We were an NRL family. And then when we got to Perth uh, in 92, um, Eagles won in 92, 94, and I, I was sort of just starting to you know, fall in love with the game. Um, And then the Dockers came in. I I was probably a Swans fan for the most part of my school years and then just over time uh, a love for the Dockers but uh, history has proven that I probably should have stayed with the Swans or or you're right, definitely should have uh, stuck with the Eagles.
1: Well, you don't know these things. (laughs) Hindsight's a wonderful thing as anyone who's worked in motorsport for the time that you have uh, would definitely know. So anyway, we've got footy done, DJ Extreme, (laughs) if you remember that anyone just... Send us a note. I want to see a photo. Is there photos? Uh,
2: yeah, there probably is. We had some T-shirts at one They've point. Been I might be able, might be able to find a T-shirt. All right. Them. Okay. Well, if you text me the photo, we'll run it
1: on socials, <laughs> which means you won't text me the photo and we won't run it on socials. Okay. So we know about now Sydney, Perth, where's the car thing and the engineering thing come along here? Is this one of those... Things where the family has a connection to things, or have you just got into this cold turkey without any influence?
2: Yeah, so it's I, I don't really know. Um, yeah, I uh, we we mum mum and dad actually met at uni in Bathurst. Uh, in Bathurst, yeah, they both went to uni. Oh, so no that's, way. Uh, so that's, it's yeah. meant to be. It's meant to maybe, be. Maybe that was w- why it was to be. But uh, yeah, mum was from Dubbo, so we used to spend a fair bit of time commuting between Sydney and Dubbo. Always used to try and cut a lap of the track. Um, it's got to be we, done. When we drove through. Uh, what is? What was the family rig of choice? Yeah, we always had Holden. Dad always had a Holden. So it was a VK or a VN or a um, – yeah, that was probably those two at the time. Um, so there's good memories of sitting in the back seat doing lot round Bathurst in, the, <laughs> <laughs> in a VK. Went, went to Bathurst in 1990. That was the first year we – Oh, you picked a was, good year to yeah, go. Great yeah. year to go. So we walked around. We didn't go up the top of the mountain, which I'd probably we'd say, yeah, very young, Scotty, at the time yeah. didn't didn't uh, realise the implications. But yeah, I remember the Sunovus car going up the hill um, from Turn One there. Obviously the HRT win, um, but I think we'd left by the time it finished was finished. I think from what, memory. so yeah, we had to drive back to Delo, So <sighs> But uh, yeah, that Got was a, that was probably the first live racetrack, and then um, just going to Barbagallo through. Through the late 90s, um, yeah, that was probably, uh, you know, sparked a bit of interest. I remember standing outside the HRT pits just, you know, the old, uh, old pit paddock up the top of the hill there and just looking in and just, yeah, I was it's pretty amazing seeing those guys in there just, you know, getting paid yeah, to they do that. Were,
1: they were the yeah. expanse at the time. Like the Holden Racing team
2: of the late 90s, early noughties yep. was powerhouse, like big time. Yep, so that's you know that was obviously gallow once a year. We'd go out most years, but yeah, that was that's probably you know it sparked a bit of interest as well. But then yeah, engineering. I don't really know. I', I a real mad sports nut, um, and you know into into cars a little bit as well. So it was probably the, the fusion of those two. Mm. Um, yeah, did did engineering. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> um, just yeah, couldn't wait to get out of there. Surprised I finished The only reason I ended up finishing it was because I got involved in the, the Formula SAE competition, which is a university. Um, basically, they give you free reins to to run a team, build a car, compete. Um, you know, you got to generate sponsorship and everything, uh, which is an amazing opportunity. Um, it's a lot of grounding in a lot of the
1: elements yeah. of motorsport, not just the whole mechanical engineering side of it. It was more than that.
2: There's yep. There's more to it, stuff that you know comes onto your radar later on in life yeah absolutely it was it was i learned so much and as i said that was probably the the spark that got me through um if it would if it had all just been textbooks and exams I, yeah i don't know if i would have made it so um <laughs> yeah that was brilliant we we um we competed at the end of that my final year and and smashed it had a huge win at that competition with a number of uh, international teams so what uni so. was this University of Western Australia. Yep. And where was the race? Uh it was at um Werriby. There's a like at the Victoria University. There's a little um, oh, yeah, yeah. track there. Yep. Uh, so yeah, there would have been 20 30 teams or unis that came to compete and um, yeah, we put on a clinic and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, pretty yep. happy with yourself yeah, too. Yeah. They just quite yeah. good. <laughs> Actually it's a funny story. We ended up um, in Bahrain a few years later with on the Supercar with the Supercars. Anyway, we were in the pits and on, and, the, and the, as you know, the, the Formula 1 track there was pretty well decked out. The pits were, were beautiful and there was TVs in there. Anyway, on the TV was this um, this basically uh, this Formula SAE documentary. And I, I, we knew nothing about it. This is free-to-air Bahraini TV. Anyway, all of a sudden we're all standing there sort of looking at it and then all of a sudden it cuts to me with the trophy, drinking a beer out of the trophy. In, in Werribee. Yeah, in Werribee. <laughs> and this is, we're, in ba, we're in Bahrain on free-to-air TV. A couple of years later. i like, yeah, it like, was, it was my it was mind-blowing. <laughs> anyway, strange. I was like, yeah, it was one of those ones where I was like, hey, everyone, look, that's me. And then everyone, you know, of course it had cut to something else by then. But Yeah, whatever, um, mate. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't you. It wasn't you. Oh, you never know what might pop up, where it yeah. might pop up.
1: Pack the Easter eggs. It's nearly time for the High Tech Oils Bath of Six Hour. The biggest production car race in the land heads to the mountain. Easter weekend, March 29 to 31. There's over 60 cars, yes, 60 cars, entered in the main race. A pile of support categories, three big days of on-track action. Adult three-day passes are $50. bucks. single day tickets even cheaper. It's the perfect way to spend your Easter weekend. For more info, visit bathersixhour.com.au. So finished uni, made it through, didn't really love it, but the SAE motorsporty thing kind of got you by. So what then? Are we going to find a job in motor racing? That's the next mission?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, everyone I graduated with was uh, the mining boom was just starting in Perth. They were all going to mining companies. There's so many graduate jobs, mining companies. I, I, um, my wife Lucy got into or started a, a medical degree at, at University of Queensland uh, wasn't my wife at the time, but uh, I went over there with her and, yeah, just started knocking on doors. So um, so you both moved? Yeah, we both yeah, went over to Queensland. Yeah, yeah had nothing. Um, and, uh, yeah, knocked on a, a heap of doors and um, one of those was Dick Johnson's. And, um, yeah, went, <laughs> went into an interview with, with Steve Chalker and can't remember who else was in the interview. I can't remember if Dick was in the interview or not, but um, – yeah, he, he said, you know, why motor racing? And I sort of fumbled my way through it. And he said, you know, do you see yourself as a, you know, as a designer or sort of a more race engineer? And I was like, I don't even know what either of those means. So, I, both um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tick all the boxes, yeah. all of the above. Yeah, yeah, I can do anything. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, we left it at that. And then he rang me up um, uh, next day or whatever it was and said, yeah, I can. I can, we can give you a job as an engineer, but we've got no money. <laughs> and, um, which, which he wasn't lying about <laughs> as it turned out. Um, and he said, yeah, I'll pay you 30 grand. And, um, I was like, sweet, let's do it. So, did you go to
1: any other, did you get to the point of interviews with any other teams?
2: I think I had a chat to Paul, Paul Crookshank. Uh, I was looking at the Porsche stuff as well, which was pretty big in southeast Queensland at the time. Um, uh, but I don't recall anything else. Maybe. Maybe Stone Brothers, but I never went. I don't recall going to Stone Brothers, mm. uh, but, mm. yeah.
1: You're right. DJR
2: at the time
1: was not in a good place financially. But did you – I guess looking back on it, you can see and understand that. But at the time, blinkers are on oblivious to any of that.
2: I've got a gig and I'm going to work at a V8 Supercar team. Hurrah. Yep. How good? Oh, absolutely. Incredible. Like, yeah, I was, what, 23 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it didn't matter. They didn't have any money because they weren't paying me much anyway. So, <laughs> uh, but to, yeah, that really wasn't a drama, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, amazing. And you just walk in. You know, like you know, I went to the first race out of Adelaide. you You know, you're at the airport in the team uniform. Like, you know, it's flashbacks to, to standing outside the pits in Perth there. And, you know, it's 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 cool, really cool.
1: What was the place like at the time? Who's there?
2: Who are you working
1: with? Some familiar names, I guess, to a lot of our listeners who know, you know, who was where at Teams over the years, but who was running the show, who was engineering, what was your role, how was DJR of – so this is 2006 we should point out too. So they've just come off the back of the West Point sponsorship year, which was a disaster, and the whole setting up businesses to fund the race team things in a play, which also turned out to be a total disaster. So at the time, things as yeah, you know, this team that had been the Shell team for so many years was in probably uh, its biggest decline. But there are other declines to come. But that's another <laughs> topic for for later on in the chat. But um, who was where in terms of the place when you walked into Ten Emery Street, Stapleton, same address where they are yep. now, same building, same everything. Who was there?
2: Yeah, look, I um I actually don't remember. Um, If there was a team manager, I think the team manager had just been bumped after the West Point years, and I think um, there was no team manager at the time. Dave Stewart uh, was there, and he and George Collins um, started the same week I did. Now, um, Brody's engineer, and I've worked with George uh, at Kelly's as well. Um, And Mark Wolfrey was there, who is um, sadly no longer with us, but... Uh, yeah, they were the they were the guys I remember, and all super helpful um, to me, and really, um, you know, help just helped me so much, uh, which is which was a big part of you know setting me up. Um, but yeah, I I actually can't remember just answer you your Question: Like the, the Steve Chalker and Dick were, were running it, um, and then there was a, uh, there's a gap which I can't fill. Um, but then, yeah, in- engineering wise, it was it was George, Mark, uh, and and Dave Stewart and I. So you said yes to I'll do anything. I can do anything. What ultimately was the job that you ended up doing? Yeah, well, that that year we had three development series cars, so Super Two cars uh, with Grant Daniel and a couple of other guys. Um, Andrew Thompson. Andrew Thompson was one. Of he was the, one yeah, of them, he was. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I got. Uh, I was a data engineer on the on the main series team. So with um, Will and Steve um, Johnson, and um, also was running one of the the development series cars. So that was like. Oh, that a, was the AU, wasn't it? Yeah, that Marcus was a, Liddell. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, um, yeah the first rock a, AU. Um, Orange on the outside and painted yellow on the inside. It was, it was, it was, <laughs> what a combo. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the flashiest looking car. But, um, yeah, I was, I was just thrown into the deep end there big time. And, um, you know, I, I went to Adelaide as wearing a race engineering badge and, you know, uh, Marcus stuck it in the fence at turn eight under safety car. The car burst into flames. And um, What a baptism of fire. Uh, oh, was, literally. Yeah, oh, my God. I was... I was standing in the pit lane looking at the big screen and, I, yeah, I was just like, what am I doing here? Like, this is, like, I'm so out of my depth. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, one of the, uh, Richie Swan, who was the chief mechanic, actually, a uh, great guy, he's, he's been around forever, um, he sort of took the headset off me and took control. But, yeah, that was a baptism of fire, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. So that you
1: that role stays in place and, and rolls on through. Jim Beanbacking comes for the next year. Uh, it's Will and Steve in, in the main game, cars. So is, am I right that it was the next year you took over as
2: Will's yeah, so Because yeah. Dave Stewart had left, hadn't he? He went to Stone Brothers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I yeah. I, I couldn't remember the exact tra- – how it transpired, but you're right. Um, yeah, so Dave left at – the start of two thousand and seven, so I got the tap on the shoulder to say you're you're an, you race engineering the main game now, <laughs> um, and uh, I had Mark's uh, Wolfrey support, so uh, that that was all right. But w- naturally, Will was a bit like, "Who is this guy?" You <laughs> know, um, <laughs> first year or second year out of uni, doesn't hasn't really got a background in motorsport, and and now he's my engineer. Uh, but fortunately, he sort of um, we got. Uh, we got going all right and and had a pretty good year really. Actually, we, we ended up beating um, Steve in the championship that year, which was the first time Steve had been uh, beat. I think we finished tenth. Um, that came down to the the last round, I think. And um, anyway, that that was actually really satisfying um, to do that in the first year because um, uh, Steve had a, a long history of beating his teammate. So I think Will Will sort of was was a bit on was on board after we sort of got those runs on the board. It was
1: it kind of right place, right time that they went, we need another boat, you're next in line, up your step? Yep. Yeah, 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 without a doubt. Which um, so many things
2: in racing are yeah. that way anyway. Yeah, and and look again, like, you know, I'm, I'm engineering a guy who's, you know, been testing Formula 1 cars and, you know, I've got no experience but, um, yeah, just as I said, they couldn't afford to get anyone else in so uh, I got the tap and, yeah, you know, again, it, was, it came down to support, right? Like George was super supportive um, and and um, Mark as well and the rest of the team and, you know, Will was really good. Um, so it, it was, um, yeah, obviously learn a lot mm. but, um, you yeah, know, really cool. Were you aware of
1: the struggles of the team financially and things that you went to just expect to go and be able to do or to get built or test or buy that you couldn't? you remember stuff in that sort of period?
2: Yeah, well, I think that, um, you know, I, I didn't know what it should be like either, right? Like I'd come in, you know, as, a, as we touched on the West Point years and the First Rock years, there, there just wasn't any money from the moment I walked in the door. So, um, you yeah, know, it wasn't like I was banging the door down saying, can we spend this? I mean, I didn't really even know what we should be spending money on. Um, but then Adrian came in, I think, late 2007, and then he sort of started um, – spending some money um and then you know that's where where we where you know the rubber started to hit the road so to speak there was a time i
1: think it was for oh seven onwards some triple eightness started coming to that those cars yeah which clearly played a part in just
2: starting to move them forward there yeah massive uh, big call from adrian to make um and ultimately was the the call that led to the success to to basically strip off all the DJR stuff, go and buy all the suspension stuff from Triple Eight. Um, and then in the second iteration was to take a car to the US, or to the UK and go wind tunnel testing and put it on a shaker rig, which was legal. Then, we, by the way yeah, there was nothing legal, us yeah, going yeah. on there a lot of yeah. teams did it yeah 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 <laughs> uh that that was the, the the line in the sand moment really because we, we just went from um you know opinion based engineering to um science based mm. engineering so we had all this data is incredible and um yeah like yeah we're we jumping a little bit before but um we, we sort of got all that in place at the start of 2008, which was the, the second year of the Jim Bean cars. And then, yeah, we, we went out and, and won at Eastern Creek. And that was, you know, that's where it really started to come mm.
1: together. Because there was a podium too at Bathurst in 07 where Will and yep. Steve drove together and finished third in that wet race yeah. late when everyone's slipping and sliding. And I remember, <laughs> I think I've told this on the pod before, I was doing the pit lane for Channel 7 and they said, go and get Dick. And I said, He's not here. (laughs) And they're like, bullshit, like it's Dick Johnson racing. He's Dick Johnson and Steven Johnson's trying to win the race. I said, yeah, he's not here. He can't watch. He had to (laughs) leave the garage for a while because it was all a bit too much. Yeah. And when you know the – I think a lot of people in Fan World didn't understand on the outside the Jim Beam stuff all looked bigger than Ben Hur, but it still wasn't all happy days in business land and and money. And given what had happened in the previous couple of years – Dick had to sell those cars, like he's true blue and the the historic mm. cars, which I know hurt him a lot. So there wasn't it wasn't as good as it looked. So that's why that result in that race meant so much more than it was just. Yeah, it's important to be fighting for a Bathurst win and a podium, and, but there was a lot underneath all that at the time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the cars looked awesome, right? It was a big name brand, um, you know. Two cars. It looked. It looked like there was a lot of money there. I, I don't know the ins and outs, but my understanding was that that first year or so there wasn't much money that came with that, and there was some things tied into the merch where I, I don't. I think we didn't get the the um, profits from the merch or something something like that. But um, yeah, you're right. It was. It wasn't just uh, you know beer and skittles. It was still you know, a fair struggle. And you know, to Adrian's credit, he never really got us involved in that. Um, and 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 Dick's credit as well, but. Uh, yeah, look, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't like we were just, um, you know, going out and mm. getting whatever we want.
1: 2007, you're starting to feel like you belong. You're starting to feel like the results are getting better. Will and you are clearly building a bit of a relationship and you start starting to actually feel like, or, or, was it then or was it a bit later? When do you actually feel like, no, I belong here? I know what I'm doing. I've done my time. No,
2: I, I belong here. This is This is for me. Uh, yeah, well, I, I probably didn't ever ever get to that, but um, ever no, nah, because it because yeah, I was all I always had the view, and this is another reason that I got worn down was that um, you know you, there was always something to improve. So I always said, I mean, it's pretty stupid, but I, I was I was always like, I'm not gonna have one one of those um, Dunlop hats, you know, that, like, is you it the, the, win- the winner yeah. winner cap. Yeah, I'm not gonna have one until we execute the perfect race, right? And I'm and clearly I. I don't. I don't have one. Right. Like we never did that. It was never going to happen. And you know, it was because I was sort of. I'd put so much pressure on myself, and you know, I s- sort of just wanted everything to be perfect. That um, you know, I was probably never satisfied. But which contributed to you know being worn down over time. But no, I think the the thing with race engineering is, um, and, well, in my in my experience um, is that. It it changes a a lot and it uh, yeah it's I don't think you can ever master it is is what I'm trying to say. You're aiming but, for utopia, but it's yeah. never actually achievable. But but at the same time, upon reflection, now we we have a tendency to overcomplicate it, which we definitely did as engineers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So propeller heads, as some yeah. people would say. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that utopia is probably is a is somewhat achievable if you don't overcomplicate it but I was probably in the in the overcomplicating at mm. camp so and I think I think over, over time that, you know has probably proven that not overcomplicating it is you know and standing you know having some core principles to to stick by will generate more success mm. than you now throwing blind darts at the wall yeah how do you and Will build your
1: I mean you guys only worked together for 2 years like directly mm. But, you know, it was a successful two years. But how did you guys weld together?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, Will, I didn't spend much time socially with Will. I, I never really did with any of the drivers. I kind of kept it to business. Um, and Will professionally, and, and, and I have worked with Will for 10 plus years, so I, I don't really know how he would have changed professionally. But at that time, he was super intense. Um, and and <laughs> yes. racing was his, you know him well, yeah, it, yeah. it may not have changed or it may have changed but racing was his thing, right? Um, he was a born and bred racer um, and social, socially he was a different person. He, when he was away from the track he was, you know, he, he was a different person but I, I actually really enjoyed it because he, he held me so accountable to, to my role and I felt like I owed him you know because he was a you know a big name and I and I certainly wasn't and I felt like I owed him you know my dedication to the role and I, I think he probably appreciated that but like you know when he'd walk into the the workshop I'd be like you know, shit we here. like and look busy yeah no <laughs> well, well yeah I mean he probably he'd probably would have seen through that but it was like what am I actually gonna you know talk to him about and and I got to the point where I was like um you know I'd I'd go when he's in the workshop, i go, Oh, so what's your plan for the rest of the week, Will? And basically try and find out when he was gonna be back because So you could be ready. So for I could it. be pre- prepared, yeah. 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 And and um so you know, that that I I actually appreciated that because he really just spurred me along and, and held me to account and he mm. just wanted to win, right? Like mm. um and fortunately we were able to to go from sort of, you know, this this kid uh, this tall lanky kid who sort of didn't know anything to winning races within 12 months. So um, that was cool. But yeah, I credit you know his his sort of uh, intensity is probably you know the word uh, with with driving me along. Mm. Um, but yeah, we um, you know, we shared, we shared some really cool moments. As I said, that when we when we sort of secured 10th in the championship that first year, when we secured fifth the second year. Um, that was cool top five you know in a in championship in our second year was, was pretty cool um, and then he obviously um, you know moved on but uh, yeah there, there was um, some cool moments there
0: For the latest in Australian and World Rally news join me Luke Witten from Rally Sport Magazine on the Special Stage Rally Podcast every week It's news, insight and analysis with big names in the sport joining us regularly to talk rallying of all sorts. Catch the Special Stage Rally Podcast now, available via the Motorsport Podcast Network on all your regular podcast apps.
1: You mentioned about that win. So let's go to Eastern Creek, 2008. It was one of those – it was early, like the second round of the championship, Mm. I think, from my memory that year. Um, And I think – so Adelaide would have been the first round, and we would have been at the Grand Prix. I'm pretty sure at that stage too, which wasn't part of the championship. But the results were like the momentum's building, and the, the graph's going in in the right direction. There's been that off season trip to the. U- Did you go to the UK? No, Did you, I didn't. You didn't, no, you no. didn't get the call up for no, that. No, it was George's no. trip. That was yeah. a George trip. Yeah. Um, so all of these things are building. So were you surprised to win at Eastern Creek or not surprised because of all that stuff?
2: Uh, yeah, no, I was surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then, yeah, when you look at it and then you look at the setup we had in the car, which was basically straight off the shaker rig and, you know, the feedback coming from the driver was, this thing makes sense now, you know, that's – no, like –
1: Money well no. spent. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It was um, – yeah, I mean, it's, you're, you're always surprised to get your first win, I suppose, but um, – yeah, it was the, the 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 writing was on the wall to to a certain extent around you know the the fact that that was probably coming. What do you remember most about that? Because he
1: won he won the round overall, which was DJR's first round win since the famous Queensland 500 in 01 where mm. the, the rain came down and the rats in the sand with all the punters <laughs> running around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So long drought for the team. And I think it was a three race weekend, and there was a race Saturday and two on Sunday. So he he won the second race, I think, off the top yep. of my head, didn't he? And then he got enough points in the last race to to seal the overall round win. But what's your what's your memory of that weekend? Is there a moment that sticks out particularly? Take me back to early two
2: thousand eight. Yeah, so I, I don't have much um, memorabilia at home, but what what ended up happening was that. The, in the second race, we started second on the second row, and because it, and it was progressive
1: this, grid in those days, not separate qualifying.
2: Yep. which came in. The yes, next you're year. right. Yeah. yeah, so we started on the second row. You got this unbelievable start, went up the inside, and into turn one would have been about 50, ten, at least ten car lengths in front of the rest of the field. And in the um, in the one of the media outlets the following week, there was a photo of someone standing at turn one and taking a photo of Will. Going around the um, in turn one and just miles ahead of everyone. And I was like, I've got to get that photo. And anyway, <laughs> I, I tracked down the photographer, and um, fortunately, he was like, Yeah, I'm a big DJR fan. Like, here, I'll send you deal. the we whole, do deal. whole res, the high <laughs> res version. Anyway, I've got that blown up on the wall. Uh, and that's probably one or two things I've got at home. But yeah, so to answer your question, the, the, the start in that race was just like phenomenal. And, and we just, we, we were never headed after that. Mm. I, think, I think Rick had it, which I always used to remind Rick. I think Rick had a drama in the pit stop as well, which… Um,
1: Take I mean, it easy, get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Take which, it easy. Um, get
2: it. He, he wasn't a threat anymore.
1: So that was a year where there was the win there. There was, um, as you said, fifth in the championship. There was a podium, Phillip Island, where the, the two drove together because you could do that back in those days. But one of the ones that gets overlooked and it's one of those quirks of history was… He scored the equal top points for Winton, and this is the round format year where you—it uh, was the last year we had it—where if you get the most points, you get the podium, P one trophy, all that. But there were three blokes who tied: yeah, Garth, Jamie, and Will. And it all went on the last race. I think it was Garth that got the got the count back. So I think Will still claims it as an equal round win. Yeah, <laughs> you know, race drivers claim as many stats as they could get. But so the results during that year. You guys were players. Like, like you're up against Triple Eight, who by that stage are well up and rolling. HRT are still strong with Garth as the reigning champion moving across. Other teams, that, you know, Ford Performance Racing with Frosty and Richo. Courtney's having the odd day for Stone Brothers. It's mega competitive, mm. and you guys are basically on. I'd hate to know what percentage of a budget compared to those teams that I've mentioned, but not at that level. And the results were
2: impressive. Yeah, well, I mean, anytime you're top 5 in the championship, you you you're in amongst it. So, we we were that year. Um yeah, as you said, we we won a couple of races. Um but yeah, we were. We, that was that was a really enjoyable year. Um but yeah, the money we'd spent, yeah, we didn't have a huge amount of money. But other teams might disagree with the fact that we'd put a car on a on a, on a plane and send it to the UK, but, but they were all doing the same thing as well. Well, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, So anyway, that that was the money that you know was invested in the year, and it paid for itself. Paid off nicely. Paid off very nicely. So the end of
1: 2008, things change again though. Will's gone because he's replacing Scaife at the Holden Racing Team. So you get James Courtney, who's off three sort of unfulfilled years with with Stone Brothers Racing. You Remember how that all came to be, and when you learnt that you're losing your driver but you're getting this other bloke. Take me back to that period. Is there anything that sticks out in your brain about how all that went down? Uh,
2: yeah, I, I don't remember being involved in the, I think Adrian and, and Charlie and, and uh, you know, probably kept that pretty close to their chest, that, the, the corny thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have a, a huge recollection of it but I do remember um, Adrian suggesting that, I would I was gonna engineer um, Stephen. Um, and uh, you know Steve uh, Steve's a great bloke, like you know, it's um, you know, he's a he's a great bloke and a really a super talented driver, but I I was you know wanting to engineer James. I remember standing on the stairs at DJ one day when Adrian was like, I, I was nearly in tears, um, going, mate, I, I I know, like I've got to, I've gotta be with James. Um and um, I think there was some some pressures from elsewhere that Adrian obviously um, was was trying to manage. Um, but for but, you to engineer, Steve. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know the full story, but yeah, um, yeah, like th- there was something else at play. I assume he had an agenda. Adrian did, or you know, he had to to you know work work what well, work out what was best for the team. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I kicked up a fairly big fuss about <laughs> that, and um, yeah, obviously, I'm I'm pretty glad I did. What did, how far
1: did you go to have to do this? Did you have to go and push your case or plead uh, or well, beg? Well, no,
2: I, was, I think I was just about in tears. Like I was basically crying at the top of the stairs really? to the engineering office going, no, I can't do this. Like, you know, I, I want to be with James. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It would be interesting to hear Adrian's take on that. But yeah. um And he, he obviously knows the full story but, yeah, I don't know. And then it seemed, it seemed like, you know, a couple of days later or whatever it was, it was sorted but... Oh, that's strange. (laughs) So, yeah, to answer your question, that's sort of my recollection of that that whole thing. And then obviously James walks in the door and, uh, you know, with his bright blue S5 Audi and, you know, things were a bit different. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you've
1: just subtly, uh, things were a bit different. Well, they were a bit different for the team that year because not only does he arrive but for the first time ever, DJR is running cars it didn't build. Because the decision's made to extend that 888 connection to buying a couple of FG Falcons from 888. So they turn up, but still DJR engines,
2: but you're basically buying a customer car to try to beat the people that built it. Yeah. And look, another great decision, right? Like, you know, we had the, we had the, um, shaker rig data the wind tunnel data and yeah sure the car was a bit different but conceptually we sort of understood what we were doing a lot more and then we basically had the best car you know you could get so uh and we just didn't need to build and design our own cars it just was not like we just were not going to achieve anything doing that um and we would have done a a mediocre job so um yeah all of a sudden now we've got you know another um you know i'd say you know, superstar driver, and we've got you know the best car on the grid with the best engine, or uh, what later probably turned out to be the best engine at, mm. on the grid. Uh, yeah, it was was pretty. Uh, I, I I would I wouldn't, I wouldn't say lucky. I'd say it was well executed by you know led by Adrian and and um, yeah probably predominantly and then Charlie and Dick as well. I know Charlie and Dick had their, their issues later on and kind of sort of started
1: festering around that time with. I know Dick has said about how the James thing was a Charlie signing and, and he wasn't involved in it and it cost what, how much? But that, that's kind of a, a, another topic. But i got the impression of being around that team at that time and and knowing Will as well and being in Queensland a bit, coming and going from the workshop and getting to know guys socially away from the racing, uh, it seemed like you know, it was a, a merry bunch of dudes like, that went car racing, like it was a good core group of people who some of them have been there a long time. Some of them have been there for four, five, six years. It looked on the outside like it looked like a team, and particularly when 2010 arrives, and we'll talk about that soon, the tight bond there, you could see it formed before it was really lent upon in 2010.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And look, and Adrian led that and in, in terms of getting the, the guys, you know, the mechanics and and, and uh, the group assembled. And look, there were a lot of guys that had been there for a long time. Um, you know, and they were – huge contributors to the to the team over the journey but the the reality was the sport was changing A had come in um, and and really sort of brought a lot of professionalism um, you know and then Pro drive as well uh, obviously Tim Edwards had been in in the UK and Adrian had come out of the UK so all that European sort of flavor just sort of you know fell into the sport at you know within one or two years and what was what was different though what was more professional? Well, it was just it it was the the she'll be right attitude was pushed out the door. Um, The um, scientific and experimental approach to race car engineering was integrated into the the teams. Mm. So, whereas before you would have um, you know the the mechanics or you know making decisions. uh, the engineers now were, you know, were starting to, you know, make – to lead the teams, I mm. would say. Mm. Yeah. That, that, was the, that was the big change. Uh, and th- so to go back to your question, so with that Adrian brought some guys from the UK, some mechanics, uh, and they were just brilliant. Uh, and they were – they just no fast, got to work, understood that, um, you know, that the, 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 the engineers were, were in charge. Um, and that the engineers didn't always get it right, uh, and that you know sometimes we'd ask them to do things that that were wrong, and then we'd have to get them to undo them and all that. And that, but that just sort of was just part ingrained in their in their culture and their upbringing of motorsport. Whereas the Australian way would kind of be, ah, what would that
1: what would that bloke know? Why should I do that? I'm not doing that. Absolutely, Different mentality. Yep. yeah, yeah.
2: Stop looking at squiggly lines, you know. Come out mm. and you know swing some spanners, that mm. kind of stuff. So. Yeah, that, that was the big change through, that, through those few years that, that we experienced. So the
1: start of 2009, you've got this fresh, pristine, beautiful white, number 18, Jim Beam Falcon FG. It's brand new. You know where I'm going here, don't you? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. crisp, it's clean, it's fresh, it's got the new car smell. What happened in Adelaide, Scott? Yeah,
2: well, we've got we've also got this driver who has just been crashing into everything the the years before, but now he's got a fresh start as well. But yeah, sure enough, first race was it Turn Three at Adelaide, the left hander there. Um, yep, bang into the wall, and then um, it's one of those ones where you tag, you hit the back of the car, and then the the um, you know the emergency or what is it? The emergency vehicle barriers um, you know jut out, and then the front of the car went in as well. So yeah, we we totaled the car there. First brand new brand new car total and uh James's um, debut. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and wasn't
1: there a warm up crash as well that you had to rebuild it again?
2: Oh, I can't remember. I that. think it was like I, a I'm multiple warm up I was gonna
1: say it's probably been deleted from your hard drive yeah. over time because yeah. it was an inauspicious debut. He might have hit it all at turn eight at, I in, think in in practice or in warm up yeah, or something. I think, I think so there yeah. was a last minute rush to get it ready yeah. for the for the race. Back when we used to have warm-ups, that was, yeah, that was a thing. I think we only do it at Bathurst now these days. <laughs> but clearly the, the pathway is on the right way. But tell me about James Courtney. So you see he rolls in and he's, he, he's the He's probably one of the few guys who has, well, at that time, he's probably the only guy with a personal PR guy. Mike Porter, the long-time yeah. Philip Morrison, later Toker Australia PR guy, did James' personal stuff, which... Transcended the sport. It got him into places that other race drivers weren't going, dancing with the stars and yep. all that sort of jazz. Um, what was your impression? I mean, you fought hard here to work
2: with this bloke. Yeah, yeah. When he lobs, what are you thinking? Um, well, look, he, he's he's really likeable, right? He's just so engaging and it's really hard to, to uh, not like him, basically. Mm. Um, so in terms of like... And he's just a he's just fun to be around, and one of his greatest strengths is that he actually, you know, relates uh, to the mechanics and gets them on board working for him. Uh, and I've worked with plenty of drivers who who don't do that, uh, and that was one of his great strengths. So, you know, to t- to answer your question, when he walks in the door, he's he's basically, you know, it's like he's on Broadway almost. <laughs> he's sort of just, you know. Yeah. almost high-fiving everyone and, you know, steals There's the There's energy. There's oh, energy. Yeah, exactly he brings in right. energy. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And you're just like, okay, like this is, you know, this is going to be fun but, you know, this guy, he's not mucking around either. Um, you know, he, he comes across as a uh, – at the time he, he came across as sort of a clown and someone who might not be that interested but he, he was serious. Um, and he worked extremely hard, like you said, on his brand uh, and that was really important to him and that's made him extremely successful and, and, I, and it's kept, I think I'd say it's kept him in it, it yeah I'd say absolutely agree um, so that was that was important and he also yeah, uh, you know, probably had things to prove you know he, I don't know that he had a chip on his shoulder but he, he had a lot to prove um, because he'd been so successful through his junior days um, and then obviously the F1 thing didn't work out Um, And the Stone Brothers thing didn't work out. So, yeah, he he was ready to go but, um, yeah, when he walked through the door, yeah, it was was different Mm. uh, to Will, that's for sure.
1: Just a little. Yeah. Just a little. (laughs) Probably the most different housemates in the UK that I've ever seen. So in 2009, okay, it starts with quite literally a bang. It, It sort of never, I mean, there were glimpses but not really anything that rolled into a result. So there wasn't like an Eastern Creek win or anything along the way. There was a few. I think he – didn't he win the last race? He won in um, in Townsville, Townsville Townsville, which was the first first Townsville event and the last race of the year in Sydney. So that was kind of at the mid part of the year and the back end of the year and it was a bit of a void anywhere else. But could you see that you had had something here or what what wasn't going right that year to be able to piece together because that was a year of – HRT with Will and Garth versus Triple Eight with Jamie and Craig, yep. basically with a few other bit players
2: yep. in and around the scene. Yeah, so the the, the story goes that that, that first um, half of the year was a disaster. Um, and, Why? And we were – well, I think he was yeah, – I think he was still in that wham-bam sort of Stone <laughs> Brothers mindset and still and, just and trying to – Trying too hard. Trying too hard, yeah. yeah. And um, – and I, I, I didn't know how to control it really, you know, as much as I tried. Um, and, and Adrian as well. Um, but what ended up happening was, and we got we got tangled up, we hit the wall, got tangled up with Darwood and Tazzy. Tazzy, you remember? Yeah. I like, and, and we were all super frustrated around that time. Um, frustrated you know. with each other, with the driver, with just the situation. Oh, Yeah, with each other. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, I was like, you've got this car, you've not only been written it off once in the. In Adelaide, now it's in the wall again, passing it back marker. Like, just, you know, give mm. the guy a bit more room or, you know, just, yeah. anyway. So, yeah, we we're frustrated at each other. There, there was a little, there, it, there was a line in the sand um, mid year. So, Charlie had, um, one of the guys that worked at um, Waverley Forklifts was, a, was an ex sort of sports psychologist guy, um, Anthony Stewart. And uh, he worked for Charlie now. And, and um, Char- Charlie got him involved. And, um, and that was that was where we were we we're essentially having a feedback sessions um, and you know putting it all on the table so this is a bit kind of leading teams that yeah, have absolutely done AFL yep. clubs
1: and stuff. Yep. Yeah. and um, and you know, this is kind of brutal this. this is yeah put it all out there if yep. you've got an
2: issue with something
1: speak yep. no matter how bad you think you might make someone feel yep yeah.
2: and, and so this sort of started I think Charlie sort of obviously actioned it or you know mm. um, brought it on. Uh, based on how we're going. Anyway, uh, I, um, James later told me um, well Adrian's office was up the top of the, of the uh, um, in the workshop and you could see, everyone could see into the office. Anyway, there was this one day where, where um, Anthony was in there, Anthony sure this, this, guy, this guy was in there with James and Adrian and you could just tell something was going on. From the, um, through the window, yeah, you could sort yeah, of see yeah. the body language yeah. of
1: it's not an affable, lovable yeah.
2: Ginwag, yeah. Anyway, I I sort of yeah you know, didn't think anything of it and didn't really dive you know prior too much. It, it later came out and and I don't know the full story here, but James basically alluded to the fact that Anthony had like ripped him to shreds. Um, oh, in the previous so, feedback session. Yeah, with um you know with that one with with Adrian and stuff, so, mm-hmm. and he just torn him to pieces essentially, and. You know, along the lines, again, I don't know the full story, and uh, but along the lines of, you know, you're not as good as you think you are. You know, you know, pull your head in. You're being a dickhead. Mm. And just spray it. So it, it, it wasn't
1: in. balanced. It was one-way street of yeah, negativity, yeah. not, hey, you're doing this stuff. Because I think that's yeah. the leading, you know, I'm not in AFL, but yeah. I've read and heard enough. There's a kind of a things you do really great, things you don't do great, yeah. things that you could do great kind of Thing like so, you're just not getting 100
2: percent belted in the head. Yeah, possibly. well, I mean, I don't know. There might have, there might have been that, but James, that, the report I got James just it. got the negatives. He didn't no. get the positives if there were any. Yeah. So look, I, I wasn't in that meeting, but that for me, um, in retrospect, that was the line in the sand. So then that I, I think it, it might have been around Townsville. It certainly wasn't after Townsville. It was before. Anyway, we we went out of Townsville and just blitzed it. Um, so what changed? What, the what? first race. well, I don't know I don't know. <laughs> I mean the, the car was obviously uh, James was always good at the street tracks and it was the first race at a new street track, uh, which was always good and we, we did the same thing at Sydney. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. And then it, we just sort of we just sort of we just understood each other better, basically. Um, and you know we were able to work together better. Uh, And the team, not just me and James, so the team and James, and then everyone sort of just cooled their jets a bit. But that moment was the start of what culminated eighteen months later. Mm. Um, So you pinpoint it back, yeah, yeah, yeah. without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, So if you want to look at the journey, it's like you know all that junk and all that crashes and everything that happened in that first six months of '09. You know that that's all part of the story as well, because that if without that we might have just been plodding along. Yeah. You know. so yeah, that was the line of sand, and then so from Townsville on, we we chipped away, and we were, we were pretty good, and then won the last race in Sydney, and we sort of were like, okay, now now we've got this, mm. you know, now we can we can have a crack. We
1: won't quite fast forward twelve months because there's a bit that goes on between winning in Sydney in 2009, winning the last race, and winning the championship in in 2010. Looking at that year holistically from the outside, I think it's a great doco just waiting (laughs) to be made because it's an unlikely... It's likely in a way, and of all the reasons and all the things we've discussed in the year or two that have led up to that point, but what was going on behind the scenes uh, was incredible, that the thing stayed together and that the thing not only stayed together for that year but achieved the ultimate success... And clearly, Adrian, Adrian Burgess, who we've been discussing, team manager, from you know, you've said a couple of things about him on the, the way. He's a big part of that whole just keeping the thing together to get to the end of 2010 because it was a year of all sorts of stuff, both on and off the track.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the, he was basically solely responsible, really, for that, for getting us through. Um, I, I wasn't, you knew it wasn't good, but we, we weren't involved at all. And, you know, even even Charlie and Dick's relationship, like it wasn't obvious to us um, that, that it was a, as big a problem as it you know, as we probably now know it was. Mm. So, no, that was, um, you yeah, know, first of all, we talked about it before, he, he'd assembled a group, a team that was, you know, focused on doing their role, playing their role. Um, and w- with that came, you know, everyone knew what they had to do. Um, we had the equipment to get to work, which is what everyone did. And he, and he put the shield up and, and shielded us from a lot of what was going on. Mm. Um, I mean, look, there were some strange moments through that year. Like there was one day where we got called up to the lunchroom, just unannounced for a meeting. Um, in walks Nathan Tinkler, who, who at the time was a big, big deal. Uh, I think he owned the, the Newcastle mm. um, Knights and the Jets soccer club. Um, and he's and he's saying, you know, it's going to be great working with you. Uh, everyone, everyone's sort of just sitting there going, what is this? Like, what's going on here? Um, like, he's talking like it's a done deal, which, you know, we we later found out it, it was pretty much a done deal and then it wasn't. But, um, yeah, just strange moments like that where, you know, <laughs> You just think, yeah, like what's all this about? And then yeah, it's weird, you know, you, you hear all that and you're like, okay, well, you know, we've got X race coming up next. Just get back to work. So, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> very strange. There is
1: a bit to cover. So start of 2010, given the way 09 finished, are you feeling like, hey, championship, this is not a, oh, we hope to, this is a
2: weekend. No, no, not championship, no No. I, no, 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 no. I've... Um, yeah, no, I, I was never thinking about the championship. I was just trying to get a good result of the next race. And we ended up um, – uh, I'm jumping forward a little bit here, but one, one of the moments that's there was two moments that stick in my mind uh, in the lead up to Homebush. One was at, um, at Darwin. So we had those four round wins – race wins in a row. The soft tyre races. Yeah. Winton yep. and Ipswich, yep. Yeah. So the funny thing about that, just jumping, I'm jumping around a bit. Well, that's all right. That's what we do yeah, on this yeah. pod. That's what um, it's here for. So we, went, we started overseas and Jamie um, cleaned up. He won a heap of the first Abu Dhabi, races. Bahrain, yeah. back-to-back, he won all four. Yep. of and, and we tried to outsmart ourselves with the setup of the car. Um, mm-hmm. We tried to change it from the year before and it was it was piece of shit. So we, when we got back to Australia, we fixed it up to how it was the year before and... The results started coming. I think we went all right at Adelaide. Um, and then we then we won a race at the Grand Prix. Um, anyway, the um, yeah, we won those four races in a row. So after that first win, when the car came back in, the tyre pressures were, like, ridiculously low. Like, you know, wh- whereas they were normally around maybe 20, they were at, like, 16... And this is before the minimum tyre pressure rule is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know what other teams were doing, but that was way lower than we'd ever run them. And um, and we just won the race by a country mile. And I was like to the tyre guys, I'm like, oh, shit. Like they 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 come up and go, oh, sorry. Like, you know, this is what it was. That wasn't wasn't what it was supposed to be, but it worked. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, don't be sorry. We just won Mm. the race. Let's do that tomorrow. Mm. So we did it tomorrow. We did it the next few races and then – you know, as I say, I don't know what the other teams were doing, but it was a huge um, change for us to run them that low. Uh, and was that dangerous at all? Races. Was that a bit edgy to do that? Uh, not, at, not at Queensland and Winton. You can mm. get away with it. Um, but, yeah, you wouldn't have done it at some of the – philip mm. Island, for example. Um, but, yeah, so that was that was just funny because it was sort of those accidental, um, <laughs> you know, jackpots. <laughs> mm. um, so, yeah, that, so, then, so we got through that. And then, um, yeah, I was still – I was just – you know, riding the wave, so to speak. We got to Darwin and, um, and Winkup was... We were sort of around fifth or something. Anyway, Winkup was... Um, had a chance to win it. And he... And I can't remember if it was, it was on the radio that we heard this or in the interview afterwards. But I think... Um, it might have been on the radio after the race that Winkup said to, to Dutto, like, you know, what happened there? How come we sort of didn't win? And Dado said, um, oh, um, we, we decided to cover Courtney. And and I was like, this isn't Dado, it's the middle of the year. And I was like, what, why are they covering us? Like, why are they worried about us? And I was like, this, like, it was almost just like this moment, I'm like, they're actually worried about us. Um, and it was quite strange. And, and actually, we actually got a bit of confidence out of that. We're like, you know, they're, they basically, um, my read on it was that they'd sacrifice the win to cover us in the um, points
1: battle. Yeah, in Big, the points they battle. were playing, yeah. playing the war game, not the battle yep. game. Yeah,
2: yeah. But they're
1: which is the first away. time it's dawned on you yeah. that you're a threat. Yeah. and they see you as a threat, yeah. and
2: you're actually fighting for the championship. Yeah, yeah. We're just, the, we're just the customer, and you know, like you know, we're just plonking along. And wow, um, that's a great insight. And. And I was like, that's really strange. But, like, I, I understand it, right? I get it. But I was just like, oh, it was, it's, it's not strange of what they did. It's just strange of, like, the fact that, you know, it just dawned on me yeah, exactly what you said, that all of a sudden, oh, we're, we're in this. Then we sort of um, keep plodding along. And then the next moment, I, was, I talked before of the few moments leading up to Home Wish. The next moment was at, um, uh, we're, we're, we land in Melbourne. We're going to Phillip Island. Which is the 500K Enduro at the time. Yeah. yeah. And um, I I always remember this. We were were in the Qantas uh, terminal walking out of the Melbourne airport and there's this short escalator that goes down into the baggage claim. And um, I was with James and I said something along the lines of um, like uh, something, it was just sort of an off-the-cuff comment about, uh, you know, or we might win the championship. And he, he we're on the escalator. He grabbed me and he goes, he looked me in the eyes and he goes, we're going to win this championship. And I was like, I, I get goosebumps talking about it. I'm, I'm like, holy shit, he thinks we can win it. And I was like, that's the first time, honestly, that I thought about winning it. It was at Philip Island. And I was like, oh, my God. It, it was incredible. And uh, it's one of those moments where you're like, And I think back, I'm like, should I have actually been, you know, planning the year out looking at the championship or not or just focus on the next race? And I'm kind of glad I just did focus because I probably would have made some stupid decisions if I'd been worried about the championship all year. But, yeah, he was like, we're going to win this. I was like. He's he's virtually
1: injected you on the escalator at Melbourne Airport with the belief that the sudden dawning on you is. So you've had the Darwin thing of, oh, they think we're a factor. Yep.
2: He believes we can win it. So, therefore, if he believes it, I believe it. Yeah, well, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it it was two things. One, it was like, oh, like, I believe it now. But also, shit, I got to get, I got to make sure we do win this because he's expecting to. (laughs) So, no pressure. Yeah. Yeah, So, they were the two moments in the lead up to Homebush where I was just like, oh, wow. Like, it was just like, I got slapped in the face big time. and then, yeah, from that point on, we sort of chipped away, and then, yeah, got to got to Sandown. I, before I talk about Sandown, people often forget the co-drivers in this. Luffy, you've beat me to yeah. it. That's where I was going to try to drag you back to. Yeah, Luffy's uh, efforts, uh, so Warren Laugh uh, were just incredible. He just did exactly what he needed to do, um, and. And the irony is, he's still doing it today. Yeah. Like however many <laughs> years later, thirteen yeah. years yeah. later, he's still doing exactly the same thing. Uh, he's just getting in the car and getting solid results. He's every fine time. wine, isn't yeah. he? He's yeah. just not aging.
1: I don't know how he does it.
2: Unbelievable. So a huge part of that, the journey as well. So it was, and, and a great bloke. Really enjoyed working with with Luffy. So, um, yeah, he was he was a big part of it. Uh, anyway, we got to Sandown and and. Jagged one at Sandown on a Sunday afternoon, And but then there are
1: a couple of other things. Sorry, I'll, I'll no, backtrack. No. Yeah.
2: Backtrack, we will go to Sandown,
1: but there's a couple of interesting elements that we shouldn't bypass here because they could have gone horribly wrong. So at Bathurst, if my memory serves right, uh, because this is the first year that you can't pay your regulars, yeah. So hence why Luffy's with James and Stevie J. Oh, might it might Steve Bowen, but I can't, I, no, can't remember. No, it wasn't Marcus Marshall. That was the year after. Uh, Bernard no, was the year uh, Or was it? It wasn't Marcus Steve Marshall. No, it was Marcus Marshall. Okay. Yeah. It was Marcus Marshall. Anyway, I digress. At Bathurst, the splitter pulls apart mm. early in the race, so that throws you out of kilter, but I think you salvaged a fifth from memory yep. there. And the one that everyone forgets, the Gold Coast, you lost the potential wins. Because of a late race penalty,
2: for was it a restart infringement? Uh, yeah, actually, it just pumped Luffy up. I think Luffy—it was Luffy's fault, yeah. actually. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> I'd, sorry, I'd forgotten Luffy. about that. Huh. I'd completely forgot about that. But it yeah, cost points. To, yeah, it cost something points. Something in the pit lane. Um, yeah, and it became, was it
1: a drive through? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it yeah. was. Yeah.
2: yeah, When running at the front, contender. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I remember that. I vaguely remember that incident. But yeah. I... I am um, that yeah we'll, we'll okay. that one's on been Luffy. deleted from the hard drive yeah. sorry Luffy, I've just I've just
1: <laughs> stepped you right in it but, because the other the other thing was that was the international Gold co 600 format for the first year where every team had to take an international co-driver and the original plan from my understanding and there's a race suit here that will lead to the story because James is great friends with Dario Franchitti mm. and Marino his brother the, the original plan was that Dario would drive with James on the Gold Coast to the point where that's why his suit when he was driving with Stephen Johnson yep. matched James's gold. You know, he was the gold car and Stephen was the red Jim Beam car. That's why Dario had the gold suit because he was going to drive with James, his mate, but then as the year turned out, was a better play to put Luffy in because of the championship.
2: Yep. Yeah. Again, I'd forgotten about that, but you're right. Yeah. Yep. That, um, yeah. And I That's say that funny. because Dario's yeah.
1: suit is yeah, yeah, here yeah. at the office um, huh. walking up the stairs here, which just prompted me on that before from when you walked in about an hour ago. Yep.
2: Uh, yeah, so, yeah, we jagged it at it, um, it Sandown and then we were, I don't know, a hundred and something points in front into the last round. Oh, yeah, Yeah. Was so there was, there was it was no, a it was something really
1: – there were the last three rounds were in the space of four weeks. Okay. So it was Tassie, which was a shitter. You guys had a bad run down there. Sandown weekend off Sydney yeah, I think right. is how yep. it was. So it was really busy yep. really busy end of the year but that Sunday win at Sandhurst—that's so win. so you haven't had a win since the four in a row yep. Winton-Ipswich you're staying in there along the way that we've got to point out and I don't think this is them some people say that Triple Eight lost that year's championship then you guys won it which I think is a harsh read on it but they did lose a lot of points with a lot of their own dramas that kept you in the game, even despite you know not having a win
2: for yep. a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember the specifics of that, but yeah, I know that's that's fact. Um, and yeah, look, yeah, you know, that's um, that was something that's certainly out of our control. Um, so, and you know, part of the story. Yeah, we
1: go, we've gone back from Sandown a few times. Let's go back to Sandown. So it's the penultimate round. So James wins the Sunday race and there's been shunts and all sorts of weirdness going on with red flags. And and was that – because I think the other important element to that, and it's probably on YouTube somewhere, I think, V8 Extra that weekend and they'd been doing a few of those shows where they followed a team or a driver for the weekend and they just so happened to follow you guys. <laughs> so there's great behind-the-scenes vision of yourself, Adrian, the guys in the garage. Blake Smith was the data yep. engineer, wasn't he? yeah um, On the 18 car that year, really like you could see the stress levels of decisions to pit and everything that's going on. So, the pressure of this championship is it's ramped up big time by this stage. Like, that's a bit of a relief valve close or opener for getting the win to lead into the last round.
2: Yep, Uh, absolutely. That's the it was a big um, pressure relief valve blow off that that was. Uh, And yeah, well, obviously, jagged it with the cameras in our faces all weekend. So, (laughs) I actually, um our kids are, um, eldest is fourteen, youngest is uh, is seven. Um, and I actually pulled that out the other day. Oh, really? Um, yeah. When, when I say the other day, it was, it was a while ago. But um, yeah, and showed them. And um, yeah, I mean that they didn't make it the whole way through. <laughs> I did. But <laughs> <laughs> you're still on the race. Just check. Yeah, yeah, just checking. yeah. Uh, But no, that was uh, that's actually really a really nice um, coincidental memento to have uh, for that race. I remember that it was a big. Result because
1: I think Winkup finished second from memory, so it was more points and you got a margin to go to Sydney with. But behind the scenes, we're sort of flicking from at the track and off the track because they're intertwined in that season. By this stage, do you all know that you're basically looking for a job next year? Because my chat with James a little while ago was basically that this is about to end. They're going to close the doors on this joint. We're all out. At what point of the year are you thinking or are you knowing that there's drama here and that this ain't going to keep this band's not going to keep playing.
2: Yeah, well, well um yeah, th- that was the culmination for sure. So James was kind of keeping me close and he was sort of going basically without telling me what was going on, he was going don't worry, I've got you sorted. So I wasn't um I wasn't stressed. The other thing was we we were trying to get back to Melbourne anyway and and I knew that his options were in Melbourne, so he was he was telling me I was going to be all right. So for me personally, it wasn't a, an issue, but um, it was. It culminated in that round, and we I remember we set up at Sandown, and oh, so this was on the Thursday. Adrian pulls the team together, goes, "All right, guys, um, we're gonna we'll leave the um, we won't go quite yet. We'll leave in sort of forty five minutes." Use the next 45 minutes to go and find a job, basically. He goes, go up and talk to whoever you need to talk to and try and find yourself a job. Wow. (laughs) So it it literally said that. Um,
1: That's incredible.
2: So we've got this team who are, you know, two rounds out from from finishing the championship and the team manager has said to the whole team, you know, go and find yourself a job because otherwise you won't have one next year. Uh, it's incredible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, you're amazing. fighting for the championship in
1: the biggest motorsport category in the land, yet yeah. you're about to be, you know, you said you're going to be all right, but yeah. the team's about to be tipped up and yeah. everyone's out of a gig, which is the last thing anyone would be ever thinking of when they're yeah.
2: potentially yeah. going to win the championship. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, and like I, I, at the time I thought that was pretty pretty crazy, but then – you know, upon reflection and me knowing I was probably, I was going to be all right anyway, like probably didn't understand the gravity for some of the other guys that, um, you know, that would have been pretty confronting for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all we all, we, we all sort of saw the writing on the wall, but that was like, this is real. It's writing yeah. the highlight. Yeah. 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 We're going to leave it just
1: there with my chat with Scott Sinclair for this episode, but fear not, we'll be dropping part two next week. And on part two, we deep dive that 2010 Supercars Championship win for Scott, James Courtney and the whole Dick Johnson, Jim Beam Racing team. The trials, the tribulations, the ups, the downs, there's plenty of insight on what was going on behind the scenes. It's a fantastic chat. I think you're going to enjoy it. Also on part two, he takes us into his time with the Holden Racing Team and wearing those famous red pants plus the trials and tribulations of his time with Nissan Motorsport and Kelly Racing as well I really enjoyed this chat with Scott and I hope you did too that's us done, I'm sorry to say, for this episode of V8 Sleuth Podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care but I'll be back next week thanks for tuning in, send us your feedback too via the form on our website and I'll chat with you next week with another M. thanks for tuning in, chat to you next time
0: For the latest in Australian and world rally news, join me, Luke Witten from Rally Sport Magazine on the Special Stage Rally Podcast every week. It's news, insight and analysis with big names in the sport joining us regularly to talk rallying of all sorts. Catch the Special Stage Rally Podcast now, available via the Motorsport Podcast Network on all your regular podcast apps.